0: All right, Ephesians 4, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, God, Lord, as I teach. I pray that you'd, God, give me a clear mind and God, give me understanding. I pray you'd help these, God, to understand, Lord, what the scripture says. God, help me to be very clear, I pray, God. I pray you help me to be very clear. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help these, God, Lord, no doubt tired. It'd been a hot day today. God, we thank you for the weather. But, Lord, the heat, God, tends to wear us out. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God, Lord, to pay attention as much as we can and, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd speak to folks. I pray that, Lord, it'd be instructive, Lord, what's prepared this evening. I pray, God, that you'd feed us, God, help us to grow, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's pick up here in verse 7. He says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. And we, I tried to express to you on Sunday night, just looking here at the context, he says he gave gifts unto men, and then he... Gives a parenthetical statement, verse 9 and 10, and then in verse 11 he tells you what those gifts are. They're people. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, I, I, I believe at this juncture it would be profitable for us to take a look at this thing of apostles. I don't know if I have ever uh, taught anything on this, and I really don't remember if Brother Mike ever has. So let's let's take a couple of minutes, and let's try and look at this issue of what an apostle is and what is a legitimate apostle. So first, let's look in Revelation chapter 2, and look in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, I'm going to try and establish in your mind, hopefully one of the things I want to point out to you is that Uh, Just because, and it's something that you know, but just because somebody says they're an apostle doesn't mean that they are. And just because somebody says they're a preacher, they're a prophet, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that y'all have drove down the road and, you know, you can see signs and, you know, it's got bishop so-and-so. And, uh, and, you know, bishop and bishop is, or deacon and deacon is, you know, those kind of churches. And then in those kind of churches, they have apostle so-and-so. And so, anyways, we'll just take a look at this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I know thy works. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience. How thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. They're saying they're apostles, but they're not. And h- hast found them liars. So not only are they not apostles, but obviously if you're, say, if you're making a claim that you're something... And you're not that something, you are a liar. Well, you know, they were just, you know, sincerely misled. No, they're liars. They're liars. Uh, this issue of an apostle is really a big deal because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that if a man boasts himself of a false gift, then that's like clouds without rain. Now, I'm, I don't know uh, a whole lot about farming, but I do have a little garden out over here. And it is super sandy soil around here. And one of the most discouraging things is to be standing out here with my water hose, watering everything, because I hate sprinklers. They don't work right for me. I don't know what the deal is. It's probably operator error. But standing out here watering by hand or getting Ezra to do that, and all of a sudden you look up, and man, the clouds are real dark. I think, praise God, I can wrap it up and go inside. And so you roll the water hose up, disconnect the wand, and go inside and I sit in here and I look outside and just see the wind blow, much like it is right now, just watching the wind blow, and never see a drop of rain come out of the sky. That's very discouraging. Well, when a guy stands up and he says, I'm an apostle, and you never see any healing come out of him. I'm not, well, these guys, you know, they say they're apostles, and you know, they're healing people. Go sit in the audience's. Take your baby that's got cancer, that's got, you know, cleft palate and try and make your way up to Benny Hinn or make your way up to Jesse Duplantis and watch what they do. I've got a book sitting, I've got two books sitting back here that essentially document those kind of situations. They're bouncers. That's what they are. They have bouncers. Those guys, those urgent mothers who have been sitting at home watching television and watching, you know, these guys, you know put your hand on the television and we'll heal you and so forth and so on. And, you know, plant a seed, you know, of $10 and God's going to give you $10 million. All that garbage. Well, they pack their babies up that have sincere health problems and they go to those meetings and they sit in the audience and when they get there they go to find the line that's going to get them up on the, on the stage for where they can be healed and the bouncers see them coming and say, no, no, you've got to go over here. Well, I want to get my child healed. No, No, not tonight. Well, what's all that about? Well, it's, it's somebody, it's like clouds without rain. It's somebody professing themselves of a, of a false gift. Well, I'm apostle so-and-so. Well, the Bible says that this church and the church got a commendation, Revelation chapter two, verse two. They were getting a pat on the back, uh, congratulations. Hey, you saw some folks that proclaimed that they were apostles and you tried them. Let's try them out. Hey, Benny Hinn, we'll invite you here for a meeting and we're gonna go down to Nemours clinic, and let's see you clean that place out. Listen, if if healing is really a thing, if healing's really a thing, and I've already got off way off topic, but I'll chase this rabbit for just a second. If healing's really a thing, why do we have hospitals? Uh, Oral Roberts, I believe it was, was the guy who said he saw 700 foot Jesus standing at his, at a, at his, uh, uh, foot of his bed and said that, uh, he had to get some ungodly amount of money to build, of all things, or Roberts was a, was a faith healer, of all things, to build a hospital. Why? I thought you had the gift of healing. What do you need to build a hospital for? Uh, so something something doesn't make a whole lot of sense with all this. So look look over in Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. You say, well, these are sincere people. I. I, I I don't believe that. I just really don't believe. I think it was the founder of the Barnum Bailey Circus. I forget what that guy's name was. It was might have been Barnum Bailey for all I know. I don't know. But that guy said, uh, there's a sucker born every minute and two to take him. And that really is true. You get a lot of folks that sit at home and watch television all day, and they watch folks that show up on TV and and they're wearing suits like this or, you know, maybe even better looking suits. I tend to shop in the cheap section, things that are on sale. But they sit there and they watch this stuff and they listen to these people talk about, quote, what God can do for you if you'll just believe. And it really produces a false sense of hope in folks. And But man, folks are willing. Let me ask you something. What would you not give to have good health? I mean, I don't really know. Uh, Maybe there's a couple of you in here that have some severe health problems, but most of us are in pretty good health. But those of you that have very severe health problems, what would you give to be free of those things? Well, you imagine a person that sits at home and watches these folks, and they're constantly listening to these folks. Oh, God can take care of it. God can heal you. And the reason that God's not healing you is because you just don't have enough faith. Buddy, you talk about something discouraging. It's just, it's not the case. It's just not the case. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, look in verse 13. Well, back up to get a little bit of the context. Look in verse 12. He said, but what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found, even as we, for such are faults." false. They're not true apostles. They're false apostles. They got the name, they got the title, but they're not real apostles. He says deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel. He said it shouldn't be a surprise for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness who in shall be according to their works. People tend to think about the devil. If the devil showed up in a church like this, people tend to think that the devil would show up, uh, maybe looking like uh, Mick Jagger, or you know these guys that sing in the Kiss rock band. I know that's even before my time, but that's people tend to think that he'd look like Anton LaVey. I don't anybody know who Anton LaVey is. He's the founder of the uh, Satanist religion. A weird, creepy fellow got a goatee, almost looks like he's got pointed ears. I just heard something fall, but I want to make sure that the roof wasn't falling in. Hey, you start talking about this stuff and wonder what's going on. But people, that's the mentality that people think, but you look here in 2 Corinthians 11 and that's not what's portrayed in 2 Corinthians 11. You know, if the devil showed up in here, if the devil showed up in here, I dare say he'd probably look sharper than any of us. He'd be clean cut. He wouldn't be a hippie. He'd be He'd be clean cut. I mean, he would blend right in. You'd look at him and think, man, this guy, this, is, this has got to be the third the fourth member of the Trinity. He's a minister of righteousness. He's not a guy that's coming in and is telling you to go get drunk. You think about that, man. You say, well, why do the folks get drunk? That's a that's an issue of the flesh. Listen, when, when the devil came to Eve, man, we may not get very far into this, but if, when the devil came to Eve, why didn't he come to Eve with a, with a liquor bottle or with a six-pack or with dope? You know what he came to her with? Scripture. And so when the devil, when the devil came to Christ, when he came to tempt Christ, what did he come with? He came with the Scripture. He said, hey, Doesn't the Bible say this? You you notice how he comes? He doesn't come. He, He didn't come saying the Bible says. He comes with a question mark. It's Bible, but it's a question. Yea, hath God said, is what he said to Eve. When he came to the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, If, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. It's a, thing. it's a doubtful thing. So when the devil shows up, it's always this thing. It, it, it's not in the realm of flesh per se. That thing can open up into the realm of flesh. But he's always, you want to find the devil? Let me tell you where to find him. Let me just cut to the chase. We'll try and get on. You want me to tell you where to find the devil? You don't have to go to the bars. You don't have to go to the nightclubs. You don't have to go downtown at 1 o'clock in the morning where they're selling uh, cocaine and heroin. I'll tell you where to go. Go to church. Go to, the, go to your modern day church where they're standing up and preaching about things such as social justice, right? Where they're standing up and saying, well, a better rendering, a better rend- it's unfortunate that the King James translated it this way, but a better rendering would be, that's where you'll find the devil. That's where, that's where the devil's at work. And it's ministers of righteousness. So when you've got apostles that show up, uh, you've you got to try them, you've got to try them. Uh, Judas, I'll remind you, was one of those fellows that fit right in. He blended right in. And when Christ sits at the Last Supper with the rest of his disciples, he finally says, he says, haven't I chosen you 12? He chose all of them, including Judas. He said, haven't I chosen all of you, and one of you is a devil? That's kind of an interesting thing if you have 12 members in a church for every 12 members that you got, one of them's a the devil. One, two, three, five <laughs> That's what I mean. uh, But you see, it, it's right there. it's right there. All right, so the thing you want to remember is that everything that the Lord has, the devil's got a counterfeit for. There's a Christ and an Antichrist. There's Christ's apostles, and then there's false apostles, right? Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ has a bride who's a church. Don't you reckon the devil's got a bride who is a church? Roman Catholic Church. We'll get to that eventually, Lord willing. We'll get into that into great detail. Christ has a gospel. Gospel of the grace of God. Well, Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, he said, these guys are not preaching the right gospel. They're preaching another gospel. See, everything that the Lord has... The devil has a counterfeit for it. God has a Bible. You think you think the devil's main emphasis is going to be to try and wipe out the Bible entirely or get his own? You see how subtle he is? He's slick. He's he's smart. He's smarter than me and you. That's why these guys that talk about, you know, I'll tie my hands behind my back and kick the devil off the platform. You're crazy, man. He's a lot smarter. Thou art wiser than Daniel. He's very smart. He's very smart. Well, let's get back to this thing about apostles. There's false apostles. That's really what I was trying to drive at with those two passages. Now, let me tell you, the word apostle simply means sent ones. That's what the word means. Take your Bible and look in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. And let's look at these fellows that were sent ones. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And look in verse 1. All right, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. The Bible says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples. See, they're not apostles yet. Disciples are followers. Disciples are men that are getting discipline. Well, he called unto him his twelve disciples. He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. So see, they're disciples at first, but when they're commissioned, when they're sent out, when they're given power and they're, they're sent out to go do work, now they're apostles. See, they're, they're sent out. Now, I, I point that out. Let me put a little disclaimer in here. We're gonna get back to Matthew chapter 10. In a sense, you and I, in a devotional sense, in a spiritual sense as far as day-to-day living, it would be safe to say that we are apostles because we've been sent out to do a particular job. All right, we've got a particular task. However, there is something vastly different about these fellows right here in Matthew chapter 10. We're not apostles. There are no apostles to the same degree that these fellows are apostles. I'll try and show you that here in just a second. Matthew 10, look in verse Two, he said, the first Simon who is called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, and he continues to list them all the way down through verse four, verse five. These 12 disciples slash apostles, they're apostles because they've been commissioned now they're going out. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. It's very important. They're not sent. They're not sent to Gentiles. Got any Gentiles in here? Any Jews? Okay, no Jews? You're a Gentile. Okay, as far as your salvation is concerned, as far as your relationship to God, you're part of the body of Christ. I'll give you the reference. Maybe you want to write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse... Oh, I'm sorry, verse chapter 12, I think it is. Well, I done messed that up. Let me find it right quick to make sure... 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32. There it is. That tells you the three classes of people. There's Jew, Gentile, and the church of God. But after the flesh, after the flesh, you're either Jew or Gentile. Well, when these fellows are sent out, they're not sent. They're not sent to Gentiles. They're sent to Jews and Jews alone. Look at what he says in verse 6. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Now look at the message that they preach. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the kingdom of heaven is something literal. It's something physical. It's different than the kingdom of God. So it's not the message that we preach. We're not preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's coming. But that's not what we're preaching. You say, what do we preach? Jesus Christ died for your sins. You better trust Christ or you're going to die in your sins and you're going to go to hell. Or if the rapture takes place, you're going to be left behind during the rapture to see the tribulation. That's the message we preach. That's called the gospel of the grace of God. That's not what these guys are preaching. These guys are preaching, hey, the Messiah's here. That's a Jewish title. The Messiah's here. There's a kingdom that's coming. You better get right with God. You better start looking for the king because he's right here. As you go, preach, verse 7, the kingdom of heaven, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look here. Here's what associates with that message. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. Now, here's where all, listen, here's where the folks, here's where false apostles are going to go to prove to you, not Matthew 10, to prove to you that what they're doing is they're supposed to be healing folks, and so forth and so on. Hold your place in Matthew 10 and look in Mark 16. Uh, some of you have talked to them probably more than I have, and you know they're, they're going to insist, no, man, we're right. And a lot of them are just genuinely, this just what they've been taught their whole life. Hey, this is just the way it's been our whole life, and so that, that's just the way that they go. But here, Mark 16, look in verse 17. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe, Mark sixteen seventeen. In my name they shall cast out devils. Well, that sounds good. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, see, a lot of folks are trying to do that these days. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, see, those are all signs of an apostle. Those are all apostolic signs. But the thing that you've got to understand, the thing that I, I hope and pray that you at least take away from this lesson tonight is that when you're looking at Mark 16 you're dealing with the same guys in Matthew chapter 10 who are not going into the way of the Gentiles were they preaching the Gentiles sure but that came along through the book of Acts that's why when somebody wants to get you fouled up in false doctrine they're going to take you to Matthew Acts Hebrews because things are changing in the book of Acts. Old Testament, who's God dealing with? I've said it several times. I'm going to start asking you now. Who's God dealing with in the Old Testament? Is he dealing with Jews or Gentiles? He's dealing with Jews. Well, when you get into the New Testament, he's not just dealing with Jews. He's dealing with whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Jew or well, when you're dealing with Matthew 10 and you're dealing with Mark 16, you're dealing with somebody who's not dealing with Gentiles yet. They're dealing with Jews. The Jews require a sign. They require it. Why do they require it? Because when Moses went up on the mount at Mount Sinai and the Lord said, go get my people out of Egypt, they're not going to believe me. The Lord said, okay, what's that in your hand? What, a stick? Yeah, throw it on the ground. okay. Oh, it turned into a snake. Grab it by the tail. Eh, A little, respectfully, you're crazy. Grab it by the tail. Grabs it and it turns into a stick again. If they won't believe you because I told you that I am that I am, if they won't believe that, they'll believe you for this sign. And he gave him two more. That's how the nation got started. It got started with signs. And so when they come in Matthew chapter 10 and there's the apostles, that's what we're talking about. We've gone into this thing of dealing with signs, which I really wasn't intended on getting on. But when you're dealing with the apostles, you're dealing with fellows that are dealing with Israel and they're dealing with signs because of that. Is that understood? All right, I think think I'm gonna move on from that. I wanted to show you that because... Let me show you a couple of other things and then I'm going to show you something that seems like it contradicts what I just said. Look in Acts chapter 1. Look in Acts chapter 1. So how do we, how do do you pick an apostle? That'd be a good question. Uh, Next time you see somebody who proclaims I'm apostle so-and-so, just ask them, how did you become one? Who picked you? Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean... Acts chapter 1 shows you how, what the stipulations are for being an apostle. Look here. Uh, Let's see. Let me find a good taking off spot. Acts chapter 1, let me just give you the background so we don't read a whole lot, waste a whole lot of time. Uh, The Acts chapter 1, they're trying to find a replacement for Judas. Judas sold the Lord out, went out and hung himself. When you read here in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says... Verse 18, now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. He, he fell out. he fell somewhere and when he fell, he went poof all over the ground. You say, well, I thought he hung himself. He did. Well, how did all his bowels gush out? Well, you remember when Christ died that there was a great earthquake? You remember that? Well, what happens when you hang yourself on a tree or maybe over a deep ravine, which is where he hung himself, and an earthquake takes place, and that branch lets loose, and you fall a very long way? See, it's not a contradiction. Somebody take you to those two places. It's a contradiction. No, it's not. You just put them together, and you can use reason to figure out what happened. Okay, so here, here we are. That's Judas, verse 19. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch in as that field is called in their proper tongue, Asadama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it's written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishop, Rick, let another take. So Judas was an apostle, he's gone now. Now we've got to find somebody to take his bishop, Rick. That's an office. Wherefore, now watch, Wherefore this is verse 21 of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection Now what they're talking about is we've got to find somebody to replace Judas stipulations whoever we pick they have to have had been with us from the day that we were standing down there at John's baptism to the day that we watched Jesus ascend into heaven. They ha- he has to have been a disciple the whole time. <clears throat> you I, I don't know, I, I hope you've read through the Gospels at least once, maybe, maybe a couple of times, but you read through the Gospels and Jesus You almost get this idea. Everybody says Jesus had 12 disciples. Jesus had 12 disciples. Jesus had 12 disciples. Except he didn't. Let it get real quiet there. He didn't. He had more than that. The 12 disciples were the fellows that became the 12 apostles. But he actually had more disciples than that. In Luke chapter, I think I've got the reference, Luke chapter 10. You You can turn over there, go over there. Jesus Christ grabs 70 fellas. That's a whole lot more than 12. And he gives them power and they go out and they start preaching to the Gentiles. So he's got more disciples. Jesus is getting, he's preparing for the last supper and he says, um, he's preparing for the last supper and he tells a couple of his disciples, he said, go into town and he said, you're gonna find uh, some of my disciples that have a room prepared for us. He said, go let them know that, hey, we're ready for the room, and they'll make ready and get everything ready, and we'll go have supper. We'll go observe Passover. So the Lord doesn't have just 12 disciples. He's got more folks. And so that's the pool from which these fellows have to pick to find a new apostle. Now here's my question. Who living today has been with the Lord since he showed up down at Jordan River at John's baptism to the day that he ascended up into heaven. Okay, so then there aren't any apostles around today. There just aren't. See how simple that was? I think that's so simple, sometimes it's just like, wow, that was not... But it clears up a whole lot of stuff. It just makes things real simple. All right, now here, let's, let's look at a little bit of contradiction. Look in Romans chapter 11. And it's really not a contradiction. But look in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, this is Paul the apostle speaking. And he says in Romans chapter 11, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Now Paul's a different kind of guy. As far as his apostleship. Hold your place there in Romans 11. We'll come back to this. Look in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And look here in verse 5. Talking about Jesus Christ. Romans 1 verse 5. He said by whom we have received grace and apostleship. It's right there. So Paul is an apostle. But he's not. He doesn't fit in with the rest of the twelve. Paul is a different guy, kind of out in left field. He's not a maverick. He doesn't fly by himself. But these 12 apostles, one of which was selected in Acts 1, the other 11 were selected in Matthew, over the course of the beginning of the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. He goes through and he chooses these fellows. He says, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He goes through all that stuff. Well, those are apostles that are sent to Jews, But Paul's a different guy because he's an apostle that's sent to Gentiles. And he says in Romans chapter 11, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. He's the apostle. Only one. There's not three. There's not 15. There's not one and a half. There's one. Paul's it. You know who your apostle is? The apostle Paul. Paul. You know where we get most church age doctrine from? Pauline epistles. Here's how you get screwed up. Here's how you get screwed up in your Bible. When you're sitting down talking to somebody and somebody says, you can lose your salvation. What proof do you have with with that? Well, the Bible says over in the book of Hebrews that so forth and so on, and they quote a bunch of verses. You sit there and the book of Hebrews teaches you can lose your salvation. Sure enough. Why is that? dealing with Jews at a different time. Go to the book of Matthew. Hold your place in Romans 11. Look in the book of Matthew. I feel like this is something that I should really make large in your mind. And, it, and it's a fundamental truth, but I, I really hope the Lord drive it home in your heart and mind. Uh, let's look right here in uh, verse, oh man, there's so many verses to choose from in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew chapter 5. Look at Matthew 5. And look in verse 29. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Well, I could stand up on Sunday morning and preach out of Matthew chapter 5 that it would be better for you as a lost man sitting in People's Baptist Church. It would be better, it would be better, I'm not saying to do this, it would be better for you to pluck your eye out than to keep you, if if that would keep you from trusting Christ as your Savior. But that's not quite what he's saying in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, there's an instruction. Look at what he's dealing with. Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about, well, well, no, we'll go ahead. In Matthew chapter 5, look in verse 28, and he says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Well, listen, it's bad to lust after a woman, but you don't go to hell, fellas for lusting after a woman in your heart. Think about what I'm saying. You go to hell for rejecting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Well, that's not quite what he's saying in Matthew chapter 5. Go back up. Go up a couple of verses. Let me try and... Uh, I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to make a point that they're, they're, this book is a death trap. You can get yourself messed up if you're not careful. Go back up Matthew chapter 5 and look in verse 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, that's like saying moron. That's old Hebrew term. Rekha shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. All right, who in here has called somebody a fool? Let me see your hand. You're going to hell. I didn't make it up. It's right there. You see what a mess you're in now? Let me, let me give you something else to, to chew on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is in 1 Corinthians 15 and he's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about when your mortal bodies are transformed at the rapture. And he's talking about people are saying, you know, you know, when people are buried, it goes down one fashion and it comes up another. And what fashion does it come up with? You know what Paul says? He says, thou fool." 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul's going to hell. So, what do we believe? Well, that's why I'm trying to show you that when you're dealing with things in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, <clears throat> John not so much, but especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then when you get to the book of Acts, and then when you get to the book of Hebrews, you've got to be careful. And the reason that you've got to be careful is because everything that's in there, it's profitable for you. You can get something spiritual out of it, but it's not always doctrinally aimed at you, the church, or a Gentile. That's what the case is in Matthew chapter 5. Cover that at a different time. That's talking about the kingdom of heaven. So when we're trying to get Bible doctrine for the church age... We look at our apostle. Who's our apostle? Okay. So here's the general rule of thumb. I'm going to give you a general rule of thumb, and most of the time this will stand up. Anything that you find in the scripture that does not contradict something that Paul said, you're pretty safe to go with it. You find something in the book of Matthew, and you read it, and there's nothing in there that contradicts what Paul said, you're safe to apply that to yourself you see something in Matthew or in Acts or in Hebrews and it contradicts what Paul said, you, you better watch out. You better be very careful. You know what Paul teaches throughout the Pauline epistles? You cannot lose your salvation. Paul teaches once saved, always saved. He doesn't, he doesn't say once saved, always saved. He doesn't say anything about eternal security, but eternal security, the doctrine, is found throughout the book of Ephesians. It's not in Hebrews. It's not in Matthew. And it's not really heavy in the beginning of the book of Acts. Are you scared? (laughs) Because y'all sure are quiet. I'm a little scared myself. I hope it does make you a little nervous because... If you understand that, the next time somebody pulls out a verse out of the out of the Bible and says, well, the Bible says this, you'll at least have in the back of your mind, yeah, but Paul's our apostle, and I know that Paul said in such and such and such, as, such as that, etc., etc. And it'll at least make you go home and open up the Bible and say, now let me see if I can figure this out. And if you can't figure it out, come ask somebody. We'll try and help you understand what's going on in both passages. But anyways... Romans eleven. Let's see if we can get on with this. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. Now here's a problem. <clears throat> Acts chapter one. This is this is pretty wild. Acts chapter one. The stipulations for being a, an apostle is that you have to have started out with John the Baptist and have have to continued with Jesus Christ until he sent it up into heaven. You. Where's that in the life of Paul? And it don't seem like there is much a place in the life of Paul where that is. But take your Bible and look in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Now, Paul wasn't around when the <clears throat> when the uh, baptism of John was going on. He wasn't there down at Jordan River when John was baptizing folks. But Paul is a is a peculiar case. He's a very special case, and he is an apostle, but he's not included in the number of the 12 apostles. Somebody, I don't know who did this, but it's it's a fitting description. It's a fitting assignment, a fitting label. They've labeled those 12 men as the apostles of the Lamb. Maybe you've heard Brother Mike Easter use that term. That's a good term to use. They're apostles of the Lamb. Well, Paul's an apostle, but he's not an apostle of the Lamb. He doesn't fit with the rest of them because he's out, he's kind of in his own little world. We'll look at a couple of verses to look at this. Here, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look in verse 4. Here's the gospel. Uh, he says, Well, look in verse 3. For I've delivered, I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again uh, the third day according to the scriptures. There's a the gospel. And that he was seen of Cephas, that's Simon Peter. He was seen, excuse me, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. The disciples were not the only folks that saw him, by the way. 500 eyewitnesses. That should be an encouragement. But anyways, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are fallen asleep. So some of them are still alive. When Paul's writing this, some of them have died. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles... And last of all, he was seen of me also, Paul said, I saw him, as one born out of due time. He makes that comment in the same verse as talking about, in the same sentence as talking about, or in the same area of talking about he was seen of the apostles. He's seen of the apostles, but he was also seen of me as one born out of due time. Look at what he says. Look, look at the rest of it. Verse 9. For I am not the least of the apostles, that am, I am the least of the apostles, rather, that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed on me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So Paul, said, he's saying, man, I don't deserve to be classified as an apostle, but I am. I'm a different character. He said, I'm as one born out of due time. All these fellows, they all followed Christ during his during Christ's earthly ministry, but Christ revealed himself to me at a different time. You say, where was that? Remember while he's traveling on the road to Damascus? He gets knocked off his beast of burden, and he looks up and he sees a bright light. What did he see? But anyways, he looks up and he sees this bright light, and... Uh, he said, uh, the voice comes out of heaven and says, Saul, Saul of of Tarsus, uh, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the bricks. Against the pricks. And he says, who art thou, Lord? And that voice said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Looks to me like he saw him. Not the way that the other 12 apostles, but see, he's, he's an apostle, but he's one born out of due time. Go back. Well, we go forward a little bit to the book of Galatians. We'll find a landing spot here in just a second. Look in the book of Galatians chapter... Oh, I don't want to teach through the book of Galatians, but I just want to point out a couple of things to you in the book of Galatians. Look here in Galatians 1 and look in verse 11. Now Paul in verse 8, he's just got done telling you if anybody preaches any gospel to you that's different than what we have preached unto you, they're wrong. So narrow-minded. Well, he's got reason for saying that. He's right in why he's saying that. Look at what he says in verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not of, after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a beefy claim, buddy. I got it straight from the mouth of Jesus. You braggart, you. Hey, you remember in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 12, might be 13, I think it's chapter 12 to where he talks about he's got a thorn in the flesh and he asked the Lord to take it away three times and the Lord told him, stop. I'm not taking away. My grace is sufficient for thee. Why would the Lord do something like that? Well, if you got a revelation from Jesus on which the entire church, the entire body of Christ is founded, you'd need something to keep you humble too. This gospel that I got, I got it straight from the horse's mouth. To use a modern term, I mean no disrespect by that. But that's... That's basically what he's saying. Verse 13, for ye have heard of my conversation in time past. He's going to give a little bit of history. In the Jews religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews religion above many my equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Now let me make a statement about that word the heathen. The heathen throughout the scripture has always been a reference to Gentiles. And so if you went to a Jew in this day and time in which the scripture is being written, it might still be this way, I don't know. But if you went to a Jew in this day and time and called him a heathen, he would lose his mind. I am not a Gentile dog because the heathen is associated with with uh, Gentiles alright so that's what he's talking about to reveal the son of me that I might preach him among the heathen well Paul said when the Lord dealt with me about this he said I, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood neither went I up to Jerusalem which is where all the other apostles are to them which are, were apostles before me he didn't go to them where did he go I went into Arabia well, what are you doing out there You look at a map and you've got the Mediterranean Sea over here and you've got Jerusalem and then you've got the Arabian Desert out here where modern day Iraq is. I wish I had a map, but you've got out here where the Arabian Desert is where modern day Iraq is. What you doing out there, Paul? I guess maybe he's getting a revelation from the Lord out there in the desert. And returned again unto Damascus. He goes out into Arabia, comes back to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So he, did, so he does go back. He does go back to the church at Jerusalem. He does go back and talk to the apostles. But that's not the first place he goes. He goes out into the Arabian desert to get something from God. Because Jesus Christ is getting ready to deal with Gentiles. And there's, the Lord has to reveal this to him. It's not something that people on the other side of Calvary understand. People in the Old Testament, as far as they're concerned, it's the Jews. It's always going to be the Jews. God's never going to deal with the Gentiles except through us Jews. When Paul shows up, God says, I'm going to start dealing with the Gentiles, not through Israel, like it was in the Old Testament. I'm going to start dealing with them through my son, Jesus Christ. Paul come out here and let's talk. I've got to explain all this to you so that you can go back and start preaching to these Gentiles and establishing churches. That's where he went. He went out into the desert. One more verse and we'll land. Right here in Galatians 2, I say one more verse, one more passage. Galatians 2, Paul does go up to Jerusalem. He does go talk to the apostles. And... So he says here in verse seven, let me make sure we got the I got the context here. Here in verse seven he says, But contrarywise when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, that's the Gentiles, uncircumcision is Gentiles, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship Of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. See, God came and dealt with Peter. He preached to the Jews. He preached to Israel. God dealt with me. My main focus, my main emphasis, my main ministry was to the Gentiles. They're different. I'm trying to draw distinctions. Let me throw this disclaimer in here. I'm drawing distinctions in your mind because you've got to build on that. But what you're going to find when you read through the scripture is that a lot of times the lines go like this. And so you're going to read through the book of Acts after I've taught this class and you're going to say, I still don't understand. Just be patient with yourself and keep reading. But look at what he says. Verse 9. When James, Cephas, that's Peter, and John. So Peter, James, and John. When James, Cephas, and John who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. So when you see Peter, James, and John, typically, usually, when you see them in Acts or when you see the book of James or you see First and Second Peter and First and Second Third John. You know who those books are usually going to be written to? That basic doctrine that's in the in Peter and James and John. You know who that doctrine is going to be written to? It's not going to be written to Gentiles. It's not going to be written to the church. It's written to Jews because that's who they ministered to according to Galatians chapter two. Find Paul. It's to you. That save you a lot. That is, that's nowhere near what I was hoping to, what all I was hoping to cover. But that will save you a lot of heartache. That'll save you a lot of confusion when you listen to somebody on the radio and say, "Well, if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost and spake in another tongue, you, you're not saved." You automatically know they're messing around in the wrong passage. They're messing around in a passage that's intended for a Jew, not for the church, not for a Gentile. All right. So, if you got questions. Bring him to Brother Spike and he'll get it all straightened out, all right? All right, (laughs) Lord. Lord, thank you, God, for tonight. Lord, thank you for a little Bible study. Pray you'd bless and help us tonight, Lord. And God, Lord, may these things sink down in our hearts. And I I pray, Lord, if there's any confusion, God, we get that ironed out. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that you're a lot smarter than we are. But, Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, who you promised would guide us into all truth. And, Lord, we trust you, we trust to you, And Lord, pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you for coming. You're dismissed.